Honestly, the biggest thing that doesn't make sense in the movie for me is just Lizzie <laughs> carrying the cheese wheel. Because I'm like, oh my in gosh. real life, that would be That'd so be heavy. heavy. Yeah. We're doing an oh interview today. God. We're doing an interview. Oh Guys, my God. Okay. We are so freaking pumped. We're like riding a high right now because we just finished our interview. This is me right now. Let's rock. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We are starting 2021 off with a bang, people. <sighs> We're talking big time kablooey. Kabooey. Kabooey? Like kapow. Okay, I sound like I'm stoned and I have had no drugs. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that we didn't just start off the year with a, you know, a bam. We started it off mm-hmm. with a fucking atomic bomb. Oh, yes. Today, we are interviewing a fucking amazing guest. You may have heard of the seminal classic, the Lizzie McGuire movie. You may have heard of it. You may, you may have, have <laughs> um, the Roman romantic and mm. j- just this beautiful mixture of music of a series we all know and love. Mm. A series, by the way, yes. that has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. True. Brought together in this gorgeous, beautifully shot film. Mm-hmm. And who would be our interviewee other than the director, Jim Paul? Uh. I'm like at a loss for words because it was so fun. We won't take up too much of your time before we just head right into it. But we just want to emphasize truly how honored we were to get to do this interview. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Um, Jim is such a nice person and he was just willing to hop on, get into his car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The acoustics are better in there and just vibe with us and uh, record Mm -hmm. some conversation um, I couldn't yeah. have asked for a better interview. I think it went super well, which is great because we yeah. were both sweating the whole oh time. Oh my gosh, we were so nervous beforehand. I like needed to get water, but I was like, I don't have time. But there was two minutes, so I ran and got yeah. some. I made it. It was all good. But yeah. So without further ado, please enjoy our interview with the lovely Jim Paul. All right, so friends, we are here with a very special guest on the pod today. We're so lucky to be honored by this guest's presence. Um, <laughs> yes. We've raved about their work for so long. Yes. Um, we're ecstatic today. Go ahead, Christina, let the people know. <laughs> today, we have the fabulous director of the Lizzie McGuire movie. A classic. Mr. Jim Fall. Applause, applause, applause. <laughs> Hello. I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. How has your 2020 been so far? Oh, you know, it's been great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been as challenging. I'm sure not as challenging as some people. I have a roof over my head and, and I can eat. So, you know, better than, than a lot of people in this country at the moment. But uh, I uh, can't completely complain. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been challenging. It's been very challenging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fun thing is I've spent more time at home and online and realized that the Lizzie McGuire movie is is so beloved by so many yes. people, more people than yeah. I even could have imagined. <laughs> it is a it's an interesting but an interesting year realizing how many people still love this movie. 
Definitely. Definitely. The the fan base is alive and well, especially mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, it's one of those movies that like I feel any age you can still see it and you get the same amount of joy from that first viewing. Yeah, I believe it was our first 10 out of 10 film that we ever recorded. Yeah, so. yeah. I, was, I yeah. was flattered to hear that. I was very flattered to hear that. You know, the lovely thing about your podcast, when I stumbled upon it in my sort of like, I can't believe all these people are talking about my movie. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like you two genuinely love the movie in the right way and you get it. Like you, you oh, got, thanks. you know, yeah. of course there's, there's silly stuff in the movie that you could, you know, plot holes, you could drive a truck through, but... <laughs> You get why the movie is the movie, and I appreciated hearing hearing that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, eight-year-old me is, like, definitely freaking out upon hearing you say that, but thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's such a an undertaking to go from this beloved series, too, to kind of, like, this grown-up version of Lizzie who's entering high school and keeping mm-hmm. in with that same theme that we've seen throughout the series and, like making such like a beautiful gift out of this movie. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing for me directing it was I kind of didn't know that much about the series. I mean, I mm-hmm. the script was written before I got involved. Mm-hmm. I did a little research. I, I hadn't seen the movie. I hadn't seen the TV series. I watched some of it. But, you know, I was trusting the writers to know what the history was because it was in the script. And then it was my job to make the script a movie, like a real movie, you know? Mm -hmm. I was honoring what was written. So um, I was happy I got such a sweet, funny script. Yeah, Yeah. what was it that, like, drew you to this project? Because it's quite different from your first film. I haven't seen it, but I was reading about it last night. And it's quite different, but still feels like it lives kind of in the same world. I mean, that's exactly it. You kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, after having made Trick, which was a gay romantic comedy set in New York City, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is a romantic comedy set in Rome. So, to be honest... Mm -hmm. It's kind of similar. I mean, Lizzie may be slightly broader in its sort of tone than my first movie, but they're both rom-coms. I love romantic comedies. I think they're deceptively hard to do well because it depends on chemistry and it depends on the humor actually being funny. And, you know, it depends on charm and all that stuff is very elusive unless Mm -hmm. it's cast right and the music is right and the everything has to be right for Mm -hmm. rom-coms to work. Because, you know, we've all seen so many bad ones where it's just like, oh. Oh, yeah. But to answer your question, I got the job. I'd made Trick independently, my first film, Mm -hmm. uh, moved to L.A. And then, you know, you get an agent and you try to get an actual job at a studio because you need to be vetted really you need to be um to 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 make more movies in the studio system you have to have made at least one mm-hmm. and after a couple of years the lizzie script my agent gave it to me and i was kind of like what what is a lizzie mcguire what is this <laughs> but it was such a sweet funny script and it was a disney movie and i'm like i, I, I am on board to make a disney yeah, movie because I love, I love disney so yeah we're kind of curious to see what movies um you grew up watching and what kind of like influenced you or movies that kind of like formed your childhood well, I'm probably as old or older than your parents. I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm a I'm very much a child of the 70s and the early mm-hmm. 80s. So mm-hmm. I was in my I was eight and ten in you know 73, four, five. So all of those, I mean, you're gonna laugh. I mean, mostly like disaster movies like The Poseidon Adventure and The oh, Tower wow. of Inferno. But I was also a sucker for 
romantic movies. Like one of my all-time favorites is um, uh, Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. Uh, movies mm-hmm. that make you make... I remember as a kid watching movies and not understanding why I was crying at a movie. Like what makes yeah. you cry? Mm-hmm. And how does that work? And what makes you laugh? And how does that work? And how do you laugh and cry at the same time in a movie? And to me, like movies like Terms of Endearment or where you're laughing one minute and crying. And and those, to me, are the most powerful movies, you know, dramedies, I guess, or drama Mm -hmm. with humor. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the ones I gravitated to. At the same time, I loved I loved horror movies and I love, I'd say The Exorcist is my favorite film, which is nothing like the movie. (laughs) I love The Exorcist. <laughs> but nothing like the movies I made. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting how like often because like Mo and I are also both actors. Like we're very much in that world. It's interesting how like even the stuff you love can be so stylistically different from the stuff that you make. But it's yeah. still yeah, it all feeds together. It's all formative. Yeah, it is. You know, and and to me again, another reason I loved and was excited about making the Lizzie McGuire movie was music. Music is a huge mm. influence. It was a chance to make. It's not exactly a musical, but it's got a ton of musical numbers, and yeah. I wedged in even yeah. more more montages and music. So we love it. <laughs> it uh, yeah, it was a chance to make a musical movie, and uh, and you know, let's not forget it was set in Rome. So mm-hmm. please, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Italian language itself lends to song, so it's already like halfway there. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like the soundtrack for the Lizzie McGuire movie, like, lives rent-free in my head all the time. Um, <laughs> but, like, we have iconic moments. Like, we have um, The Tide is High, the Atomic Kitten cover. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got Valare. RuPaul. We have, yeah, we have Valare. We have, like, what influenced, like, your musical choices or yeah. your music supervisor? Like, I'm sure you work together, but how did you come to this, like, amazing soundtrack? We, we did work together. His name was Elliot Lurie. Uh, he was wonderful. But, you know, it's funny. The music, the songs you just mentioned were songs that I brought to the movie. Um, <gasps> Valare, Valare is an old standard, and there's a hundred yeah. versions of it if you yeah. ever Google the song. And it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And I was really basically back then Googling Italian songs. Okay, what Italian songs? And then Valare, okay, that's a wonderful song. So they took it, and I asked them to make up an updated version, and they and they produced that wonderful, fun version. Wow. Uh, the Dean Martin song, On an Evening in Roma, that, that's, that's yeah. a song I just loved and, <laughs> and put in the movie because everyone, you know, I thought... I got, and then, um, what else? Uh, Tide is High... It was a song while we were shooting Lizzie in Rome. We shot everything in Rome first mm-hmm. and as the sets were being built in Vancouver. So I saw a video of Atomic Kitten singing that version of oh, Tide is yeah. High on my TV in Italy, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this great, you know, it's a medley really because there's another song mixed in there. Mm-hmm. Um and it was great. The video was cool. Like these three women and the one was like in, like really pregnant during this video. Yes, and it was yeah, a she great, was pregnant. Right. It was a great video. I'm yeah. like, and then when we got back to Vancouver and I had to pick the song for the opening sequence in her bedroom, mm-hmm. uh, Disney gave me a list of songs that the kids know on the on Disney radio and Titus High was one of them. And I was like, bing, there's this version by Atomic Kitten. Mm-hmm. We have to get it. And we shot it before we even had the rights to the song. We just shot it. Wow. I mean, Disney was already on it. Disney was fast. Yeah. And we had to re- they had to re-record some of the lyrics, by the way, because mm-hmm. some of the lyrics are a little saucy. No. <laughs> so on the soundtrack album, it's slightly changed on the album, mm-hmm. but on the movie, it's the original lyrics. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. We were just curious. Sure. What, sorry, I'm like 
I'm like rolling with the punches and also like there are questions and it's all coming together. I'm in a rush. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we were curious what got you into filmmaking and kind of what sort of style and genre of filmmaking um, you did when you were at NYU and when you first started filmmaking. You know, again, uh, my first short films, I guess a couple of them, one is sort of a romantic comedy, you can sort of call it that. And then one was a sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. And they were all they were all rather earnest, I think. And, you know, I guess circling back to what I said earlier, I think I was still trying to figure out how to make how to move somebody when they see a movie, because yeah. as a kid and, and it's a it's a weird, magical thing. Movies are magical when they work because it's so much is going against you when you're making the movie. So, you know, I just remember sitting in a the movie theater, like I was saying earlier and thinking, why, why, what is it that makes you cry? Even when people tell me that they saw like, let's say trick my first movie and, and people say that they, they laughed or they, I know where you, I know where people laugh. You can hear it in, when you see the movie with an audience, but, but mm -hmm. people say, oh, I was really moved or I cried at this one point. I'm like, where, like, I want to actually know where exactly did you cry? Cause I don't, I didn't, tailor it to make you cry at that moment but i hoped when i made it it would be moving you yeah. know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's like a weird thing where you learn okay you have to just sort of make something that you like and that's the lesson i learned is i made the lizzie mcguire movie it's the movie i wanted to see i didn't make it for kids i didn't think oh kids are going to see this I, I said i'm going to mm. see this i want to yeah. laugh i love the music <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so i didn't like direct down i directed up for the movie like mm -hmm. you know i wanted it widescreen i wanted a real orchestral score mm -hmm. i wanted good songs i wanted the movie to have as much class as it could possibly have and i think that's mm -hmm. paid off yes definitely definitely and it's all those elements it's it's all the, the cumulative the the cum the cumulation cum what's the word the Cumula <laughs> accumulation what? accumulation yes yeah Yes, of all the those culmination. Yeah. The culmination. There we That's go. The word. I knew it was something. I knew it sounded wrong. <laughs> the culmination of all those things when you when you put elements you hope will all be working together, you know, casting and music and everything, then you kind of hope it works, you know. But we've yeah. all seen movies that look like they should work and they don't. So mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a um crapshoot. Yeah, I think that's why like the Lizzie McGuire movie has stood the test of time in such a way that I think a lot of movies from like when we were kids haven't as yeah. much just because like it is for kids, but it's also for adults. It's like for everyone. And like I can watch it now as a 24 year old and I still feel like so much, even if it's a little bit different from when I was eight, like I still enjoy it the same amount. Yeah. And there's definitely <laughs> still like plot points where I'm like, I'm like moving from one thing to the next. Like there's stuff going on with Lizzie, but there's also things going on with Gordo and Ethan Kraft mm. and like Kate. And there isn't like a simplification of all these narratives, but more mm -hmm. of like you, like, you know, you're gathering these clues and like you're learning over the course of the movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of like other Disney movies that haven't, <laughs> you know, been as yeah. like stood the test of time, I feel like I watch it and I'm like, oh, nothing happened. Like, we're pretty much back at square one with, like, one mm. big event in the middle. Mm. I appreciate you saying that because I, I did, I think that was part of what I was hoping to accomplish. You know, I knew I was making, you know, a movie that was fun and, and, and a piece of entertainment, you know. And, of course, yeah, some of the plot is a little silly. And, of course, you could sit there and really analyze, like, would that really happen? And ooh, some of those accents and, uh. <laughs> but, but when, 
<laughs> when you watch it all together mm-hmm. and you're in the right frame of mind and know, this is why I appreciated your podcast, and you, <laughs> you get what the heart of the movie is, then you can really appreciate it. There are some videos mm-hmm. on YouTube, even recent ones, where I forget this one woman. I think she puts on makeup and then she 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 uh, uh, reviews a movie and she just did the Lizzie McGuire mm. movie. Mm. And she, you know, basically she rips it apart. She rips it to shreds. But I can tell she loves the movie. But yeah, she almost made me realize, like, oh yeah, yeah, that is a yeah, that doesn't make sense. But <laughs> honestly, the biggest thing that doesn't make sense in the movie for me is just Lizzie <laughs> carrying the cheese wheel because I'm like, oh my gosh, life, I know. that would be That'd so be heavy. heavy. Yeah. Was it like a hollow prop yes, cheese of course. wheel? Yeah, of course. And I, yeah. I, you know, I asked her. You know, this is supposed to be really heavy, so yeah. you got to hold it like it's really heavy. And you know, I, I guess I should have like <laughs> been more adamant about making that cheese wheel not feel like it was as light as it was. <laughs> what, what was it like working with Hillary? You know, she was amazing. I mean, she's a fifteen. She was a fifteen-year-old kid. Yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. like you know, I got to spend all that much downtime with her as a person, but. Mm-hmm on set she was amazing you know she was a mm-hmm. she most of the cast had already been doing the show for three years so they knew their part she was a pro she knew her lines there was never any problem with her you know mm-hmm. um there were some issues with some parents because along with underage kids there's a, lots of parents that come along with right, that of course and there were some there were some behind the scenes parental challenges. Oh, <laughs> oh the tea. <laughs> the gossip the is coming out. <laughs> but yeah. um, once that was ironed out and once I basically stepped out of it, I was like, all right. I told my producer, listen, I can't talk. To, I can't talk to the parents anymore. Not well, yeah. not all the parents. There were, there were a lot of wonderful parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. But it was it was. <laughs> Once I kind of removed myself from that that conversation and just said, yeah. "Listen, I'm directing the movie. Mm-hmm. You producers can talk and deal with whatever issues come up." But yeah, yeah, it was an easy shoot because everybody was great. Everyone was having as much fun as you think they are. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. I guess I we're kind of curious. What was it like directing? Obviously, the ca- the cast, but also having the cartoon elements mixed in. Yeah, you know. Because, like I said, I hadn't really immersed myself in the Disney world. I mean, in the Lizzie McGuire world, I was a little bit negative about the animated character. Because at first blush, on some of the early drafts of the script, and even in some of the episodes that I looked at, it seemed like it was just redundant. It was literally like, why what is this character doing? Like, why is it even here? Like, if there's a scene where she's crying, then she's crying. If there's a scene where she, you know, so I pushed as hard as I could to make sure that every time we used the animated Lizzie, that it had some kind of counterpoint or was commenting Mm -hmm. or was adding something and not just, you know, aping what we just saw, you know? Right. So I I think the animators were a little annoyed with me at first, but I think ultimately it turned out better because, mm. you know, and it's, I, I, and you know what the most, the loveliest thing was what made it for me was when we finished at the end of the movie, the um, <clears throat> animated Lizzie is Tinkerbell and mm. does that little thing yeah. at the very end. Yeah. And I think it was one of my editors or one of the animators who actually came up with that idea. I can't take credit for that, but I thought, you know what? That to me justified <laughs> the animated Lizzie. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like my favorite cartoon moments was always when it would be like in contrast to what we just saw her say to somebody else. Yeah. So much of like when you're a teenage girl, it's just like 
yeah suffering in your feelings internally and like seeing that like fully realized on screen always made me feel like very seen yeah i mean it's an opportunity it was a missed opportunity at times i mean i think in the original drafts of the script Mm -hmm. and uh you know maybe we could have even done more with it but there wasn't a lot of time i was kind of backing into we got to change this we got to fix this Mm -hmm. let's make it you know, it's not just commenting mm-hmm. on Lizzie. You know, it was at one point, I think I think I cut a couple too, because when Lizzie is crying because Gordo's at the airport, there was supposed to be an animated Lizzie there of animated Lizzie crying. And I'm like, I don't want to undermine this moment that's yeah. real for Hillary's character yeah. cutting to a cartoon crying. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's where they got a little annoyed with me, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to make the hard cuts. It made the movie yeah, better, so... Yeah, you gotta kill your darling sometimes. Exactly. You do. You do. Um, what was uh, one of your, like, favorite locations to film at? Because, like, the cinematography in this movie is incredible. You have so many beautiful locations, yeah. but do you have a personal favorite? Well, I mean, you know, anything in Rome. I, I, mm-hmm. I lucked out my cinematographer, Jerzy Zielinski, um, who also shot Galaxy Quest and a lot of wonderful movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just an old pro and a wonderful guy, and... Our first, actually, Disney suggested him, and uh, mm. and he wanted to. Sh- he he first suggested shooting it widescreen. It's like you know two three five. It's very mm-hmm. widescreen, mm-hmm. and I don't think many Disney movies of that era were widescreen like that. Yeah, we both sort of vowed. I said, listen, let's make this movie look as beautiful as it can look. You know, because we're mm-hmm. going to shoot in Rome. I want it to look beautiful. So. My favorite location, I think my favorite location was was the was the fountain where they're uh, under the fountain and yeah. they're running along that fountain. Oh yeah. It's so beautiful. That whole thing. The only thing I regret is I didn't get one shot. I wanted to get a shot outside the fountain showing the whole fountain with them underneath it. Mm-hmm. But because we shot all of it and shot underneath the fountain, it got too late and we couldn't do the um the there isn't really a shot showing them with the whole fountain and them mm-hmm. underneath. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that was a that was a just a beautiful location, and yeah. that's probably my favorite location. But there's so many; everything's just so pretty. I know. Yeah. Watching yeah. all of the like um, scenes where she's with Paolo on the Vespa, and it's just like scenes of yeah. the city. Even oh the gosh. scene where the fireworks are happening, and it's like gorgeous, and then it yeah. goes to the hotel, and Gordo sees the fireworks. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I know it's sad, yeah. but it's still really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the uh, Vespa scene. You know, you talk about um. I know, I know. I, listen, I just listened to the podcast again. I know there's a, the dance double, the dance double yeah. issue. But you know, on the on the Vespa, most of the time that's not Hillary or Paolo. Oh my gosh! Anytime, I know. Anytime you see their full body, except for that one shot of Hillary where she goes by the camera, that's a stunt driver. It's not Yanni Gelman. Wow. The close-ups, they're being pulled on a trailer. They're, okay. they're not really yeah. on the vet. They're on a Vespa. Mm. But then any of the wide shots where you don't see their faces and it's just uh, helmets, it's it's stunt drivers. Wow. Sorry to burst your bubble. Went right past me. I didn't even notice. <laughs> it's <really laughs> the magic of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, I guess going along with the similar, I don't know what I'm saying right now. What I'm trying to <laughs> ask right. you is um, what was your favorite scene to shoot? Favorite scene to shoot? Favorite scenes, there's different reasons, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I love the scene in the theater where he's teaching her to lip sync. Mm-hmm. That was, oh, yeah. Maybe because it was like a contained place and it wasn't crazy. And we were actually back in Vancouver. That's a theater mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Oh. Um, but the, yeah, pretty much anything anything inside is Vancouver. Everything outside is, is Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, 
my production designer, Doug Higgins, designed such a beautiful hotel set. That whole lobby yes. is a set. Wow. And it's it's so it was almost too beautiful. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, they're staying at like a ten star hotel. Yeah. yeah I think I, I like, think we yeah. talked about that in our episode. We were like, this is the most beautiful <laughs> yeah. hotel we've ever it's seen. Like, what school district <laughs> yeah. are they in? <laughs> I know, I know. He showed me the design. I'm like, oh, well, yes, let's do this. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, they would be probably staying in some youth hostel or some dump, right? right? But like, who wants to make a movie about that? So <laughs> he built this gorgeous lobby and a working elevator, which is a set piece. He built that in a studio, wow. that working elevator. The courtyard outside where she sits and she's got the headphones on, yeah. that's a huge courtyard he built. It was a monster, beautiful, beautiful set. So I loved working in that set because it was this beautiful set. It was very mm-hmm. Hollywoody movie movie kind of thing you know yeah and the big dance number was was a blast because i love oh, the song yeah. and it was just yeah. fun fun seeing it you know explode on stage yeah what was it like to um to work on like the the lizzie isabella scenes where <laughs> you're slobbing back and forth <laughs> you know it's funny i just started watching um oh what is that mark ruffalo hbo series where he plays a twin brothers just last night and i was thinking mm-hmm. oh my god they do they do it so well where he's playing both parts and it, mm-hmm. it looks amazing. But of course, this is 2020 and there's yeah. all this amazing digital, yeah. you know, where I shot that back in 2002 and I had to plan it so that you, you know, I had only a couple shots, like the one shot where Isabella walks toward Lizzie for the first time backstage. That was a computerized camera movement that we did twice. So, we, mm-hmm. so both Lizzie's could be in the same shot, you know, the dance number. You know, there's there's every time you see the one Lizzie, the other one's a stand in and vice versa. You yeah. know, yeah. Just, there's cuts that are probably pretty obvious. But it was fun. You know, when we the first the very first thing we did was shoot the Paolo and Isabella photographs for the billboard. Mm. That was the first thing we did out of anything. We shot those in Vancouver and Hillary put on that dark wig and it was like, oh, my God, she looks <laughs> amazing in a dark wig. Yeah, she like it changes her face. She looks yeah. older and like more mature. Totally. Her face looks like carved out. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was kind of blown away, and um, so it was to me it was exciting to get to the point where we could do the Isabella stuff because mm-hmm. um, I thought she looked beautiful in the in the in the outfit. Oh yeah. Designed by David Robinson, who also designed the blow up dresses and all the other <gasps> oh, amazing costumes. Uh, I love that scene so much. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> And he, you know, David, uh, he's still a f- uh, friend on Facebook. He lives in New York. But he um, he came up with that igloo. Dr- he came up with all those d- dresses were just his mm. his idea. Like he just bought that, you know, brought it. That's what I'm saying. Like your job gets yeah. easy when you have the right people there bringing, mm. you know, amazing things to you. Yeah. I think had, had the Met Gala happened this year, any one of those looks I think could have easily been on that <laughs> red carpet. Easily. I want to see someone for the camp theme just going in, changing from outfit from outfit yes. that she wore on the runway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that mm-hmm. was that was fun. We shot that inside a bank in Vancouver. Like we oh, wow. turned a bank into that into that. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. It sounds like everyone on the set was like or in the production rather was like going full force, like whatever machinations they came up with, they were just like, let's do it. Let's go for it. Yeah, it it was great. I was, you know, it was only my second feature film and I had a really wonderful producer named David Rossell who really took care of me and Disney was very supportive of me. And, you know, they hired me out of, you know, they could have hired someone off of the TV show or, and I think there was a little bit of 
frustration from those directors that that I was sort of this outsider coming in. But that's I think Disney. I know Disney wanted somebody different <laughs> yeah. uh, for the movie. Um, so uh, there was a little bit of weird weirdness with that, but uh, well, it didn't bother me. Yeah, we are curious if there was an accent coach on the set. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I know you're not. I know you're not going to believe me. But, well, on the set, the answer was no. In (laughs) post-production, we did our best. We had an accent coach. Mm -hmm. Yanni, Yanni, we re-recorded with him a lot of his dialogue. Because you know what? On the set, I didn't want, especially Yanni, I didn't want, because he was supposed to be the most authentically Italian, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I did not want him worrying about his accent and ruining his performance by just worrying about an accent and then having the accent be bad. You know, so very early on, I gave up on worrying about his accent. And I figured we could just re-record it. And he is, you know, cosmopolitan enough to not necessarily have a thick accent. Anyway, anyway, Mm -hmm. it was a lot of justification. But but yes, we had an accent coach later in post-production and Mm re-recorded a lot of the dialogue and it's still a little it's a little goofy at times but yeah i mean i think i think yanni's is like yeah pretty fine pretty good it's 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 mostly just hillary we love you to death hillary but maybe not your best work but it's okay well you know everybody tried their best and i it was just luckily the movie has charm going for it and you kind of just go with it because the accents are all over the place yeah, it adds to it for me, so I enjoy that. Oh yeah, we did the whole yeah. podcast in yeah. in very bad Italian accents. Lisi, who are you going to believe? This man oh. you are knowing. <laughs> I would argue if it was perfect Italian, it would not be as charming. So I agree. I, don't know. I agree. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's in retrospect. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, we wanted to ask um, what it was like shooting kind of like the culmination of the entire Lizzie series, like the big kiss between Gordo and Lizzie. Yeah. You know, at the time, I kind of thought it was a jumping off point for mm-hmm. more because they had already, well, not when I was filming, but when it was done and it did well, they had announced a second movie already in the mm-hmm. trades. It was a mm-hmm. Lizzie McGuire 2 ready, whatever. It wasn't written. I don't think anything had even been conceived. So it didn't feel like it was going to be an end. But like I said, you know, that was it. that was kind of baked into the script already. So I knew it was leading up to this big kiss. I knew Gordo and Lizzie had this long burning, you know, thing happening. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, I didn't want the kiss to be, I don't know, you know, nasty. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I think yeah. it's sweet and charming. Mm-hmm. I wanted Hillary to kiss him. I wanted her to kiss him. Yeah. She yeah. needed to make the choice. Definitely. You know, mm-hmm. and she did. And, and that was our first take, I think, and our only take of the kiss. Wow. And I think she did a lovely uh, job nailed of it. it. Yes. Nailed One it. and done. Yeah. I didn't make them do it more than once. We didn't rehearse the kiss. They didn't mm. kiss any other time except on film right then. Yeah. Um, and when I first met with her, I think I told this in another, another interview, but the first thing Hillary said to me when I first met her months earlier at a Starbucks in Santa Monica was, do I really have to kiss Gordo? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Got to give the people what they want. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought she did a, I thought she did a lovely job of that. Yes. Yeah. Is there any down low, any scenes that you would have liked to be in the movie that didn't make the final cut? You know, there really isn't. Let me think. We, nothing 
ended up, it's been a while, but I'm sure I would have remembered or pulled out any outtakes by now. You know, there's that, Mm -hmm. you probably saw on the DVD, there was that sort of misguided ending that I knew was never going to work, but we shot it anyway. I don't know if you saw that on the DVD, but there is a, originally what was in the script or possibly something I added, I'm not sure which, but Mm -hmm. she, when he, when, when they kiss and they look up at the sky and the fireworks are, are, are exploding, right? It was going to then show a plane, a plane was going to be flying by. And then we were going to, we, in the, on the DVD, this outtake is there. They're all back on the plane going home. And then Hillary is sitting next to Gordo. And then there was going to be an animated Lizzie moment. And that was going to end the movie. But it just didn't work. And we couldn't figure out what the animated Lizzie was going to say. And then when you, when you see, when we, you know, the movie kind of becomes what it's supposed to be. And then that kiss is the end of the movie. That's the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I even knew that when we were shooting it. But it was, it's, that was one thing. I don't, I don't regret it not being in the Mm -hmm. movie. It was never Mm -hmm. going to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, Oh, there was a whole shopping montage. Oh, the outtakes are on the DVD. Mm. There's a shop, mm. big shopping montage uh, before the Spanish Steps scene. But, okay. you know, the movie already has 20 montages, so I, I think we cut one <laughs> We cut one out. I love the it's montages, though. It's yeah. such a good early 2000s device. <laughs> yes, we love it. Um, if, yeah. you, if you were to direct a sequel, what do you think um, happened to Paolo? That's my big question. Yeah, jailed. Beheaded. <laughs> yeah. See, no, this is the thing. I, I'm a, I'm such a like romantic. I the movie I would want to see, and I don't know what they're doing with the TV show. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. it's frustrating that it got stopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would love to see Hillary run into Paolo uh, and Paolo uh, Lizzie run into Paolo and Paolo be a completely different person now. Like be a ooh. Whatever he is, he's like he's he's been knocked down to reality. He's a real guy now, mm-hmm. um, and then the two of them maybe actually fall in love in the movie, like where they actually oh fall in God. love because wow. he becomes he's not an asshole anymore. Mm-hmm. But of course, there'd have to be some complication, and maybe it wouldn't work out at the end, or maybe it would. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought it through more than that. Other than <laughs> you know, I think that's. I think that would be really exciting to see. It would also be fun. I also remember thinking it would be fun if it was a class reunion movie where they end mm. up going to some other great location for a class reunion. I don't know. I guess class reunions happen in your hometown, I guess. But we can suspend our disbelief. It's yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. You suspended that you, you believe that people could perform <laughs> at the Coliseum. I think you can believe that yeah. <laughs> a class reunion could be, you know, in uh, I don't know where. Where would it be? It would be. Let's go back to Rome, you know, bring back the good times. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be all for that. I mean, that would justify actually running into Paolo better because then he's now he's like, you know, owns a chain of Mm -hmm. restaurants or something. Yeah. Wow. Well, because like the chemistry was there between. Oh, yeah. I love watching the scenes where they got close to each other and they were having these conversations. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was all a lie on his end. I think he did like her in some way. What's funny you say that I was trying and I don't think it comes across and that's my fault. But in the scene where he's teaching her to lip sync Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she's singing and she's not so bad, Mm -hmm. actually, there's a moment where I told I remember telling Yanni and I should have got it gotten more out of him at that moment. But I wanted him to have second thoughts like it's like, oh, Mm. she's actually not bad. Anyway, back to lip syncing. You know what I mean? Like it was, she was, she was supposed to be like a little bit torn about his 
bad boy instincts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's reading it playing really at all. It's a fleeting moment. I kind of see it, but it's not there. It's not really there. That's really interesting, though. I I like don't ever think about Paolo having redeeming factors, any redeeming qualities. <laughs> but that's like a really nice like nuance if they mm-hmm. could make this like series happen and um, kind of like factor that back in because it's like in a lot of rom coms, you know, you have this scene where you run into the ex boyfriend. That's like a classic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it could be a Christmas movie. They all do that. So mm-hmm. she goes home to her home or or goes back to Rome or maybe it's just her. She goes back to Rome and yeah. with just, mm. you know, I don't know, you know, they they, yeah. they want to relive their class trip. And uh, I just love that idea because then then in this movie, they would actually fall in love, you know, and yeah. he would be he'd be a good person this time. And yeah, we'd have to come up with some other complication. Hear but... me out. She's married to Gordo. Their relationship's oh. failing. They go back to Rome to rekindle the second things, honeymoon, but yeah. it just tears them further apart because she falls in love with Paolo. I would see that movie then, for sure. And then Gordo is going to have to be the bigger man and go, you've always loved Paolo. I'll have to let you go. <laughs> That's the responsible yeah. response. Yeah. Do, do you believe though, See, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe Gordo and Lizzie actually end up together ultimately. I don't think so either. I don't no. think so. I think it's a it's a junior high school thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ultimately would have been a forever yeah. choice, you know? I think that mm-hmm. Ethan Kraft and Kate will marry each other and they'll yeah. own some sort of a yes. franchise, like a local Dairy Queen or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they're married with like five kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and Miranda wasn't my fault, by the way. She's not in the movie. She wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't in the series the last couple episodes either. Yeah. They had already. She yeah, had, she's MIA. Yeah, there was something that happened, and I wasn't. I don't know what happened. I think I don't know. She got some job or something. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. By the time I came along and the movie was already written, there was that one line. Yeah, I think she's in Mexico. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wish mm-hmm. she was in the movie that would have been, I don't know exactly where she would have fit in, but mm-hmm. beloved character. I know. It would have been a different movie. It would have been yeah. different because it would have been yeah. more. I think we would have been lacking like the Kate, like softness yeah. that we get yeah. if like Miranda was there. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we actually, uh, we were just, you know, stalking your website, perusing. Yeah. <laughs> Doing a little IMDb searching. Yeah. We noticed that you've actually been, you've done like a lot of holiday movies. Yeah, I've done three. Yeah, we were asking, like, what kind of, like, draws you to the holidays? Do you have any traditions? I can't say I have traditions, and I didn't really grow up, you know, average American Christmas small town. I grew up in a very, well, I grew up in sort of a postcard town. My mm-hmm. my hometown is is named Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. And it's, it literally looks like one of those postcards you'd see with a steeple and beautiful mm-hmm. houses from turn mm-hmm. of the century and it's a it was a it's a sweet little city little town but i don't know i kind of again i kind of fell into directing christmas movies more as a way to be able to make a, rom- a rom-com it was another mm-hmm. okay, devious cool. way yeah. to like <laughs> make a romantic comedy mm-hmm. you know and you can get away with being more sentimental because yeah. it's a christmas movie definitely so yeah 10 years ago I made a movie called Holiday Engagement and they're very low budget, which is, which, you know, sometimes is apparent, but it's a sweet movie. It's a very sweet movie. And Shelley Long is in it. And again, I put in a musical number where they sit and they sing at the piano and it's, it's my favorite scene in the movie, of course, because it's a a musical thing. And, um, and then that did really well. It's played every year on Hallmark. Every, it's Mm -hmm. really a Thanksgiving movie. Um, Okay. 
And then I made a movie called Holly's Holiday about a girl who falls down and hits her head and has a dream sequence where she falls in love with a mannequin. Ooh. <laughs> um, and then I made this kind of movie that was, I don't know, it was kind of a mess. It was, it was probably the worst professional experience. It was, it yeah. was called Kristen's Christmas Past. And my cast was wonderful, but the production was kind of a nightmare. Everybody was just, it was just bad. It was just like everything has been wrong. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, eh, that one. I haven't seen it since I made it. <laughs> Have you, um, we're just curious because this is the last podcast we recorded before this. Have you seen The Princess Switch? The Princess Switch. No. It's a, no. It's a Netflix original starring Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. And it is quite the film. <laughs> it is quite something, <laughs> yes. No. I'm going to have to watch it and then listen to your podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Would recommend. It's on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. They just released a second one, like, this month. That one but is, the first, whoa. That one is a the whole other is. level. But. If you want to hear bad accents, go, yeah. search no further than that sequel. <laughs> what what accent? What are they accenting? British. What, what, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, that can, be, that can be bad. Yeah. Almost as bad as Italians, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. So what is it, mm-hmm. like Prince and a Popper kind of thing where woman yeah. switches with a yeah. princess? Mixed in with like a romantic comedy mixed in with kind of like um, the Liz McGuire movie where it's two main characters. Identical strangers. Yeah. Stealing my yeah. movie. I know. Lizzie McGuire movie walked <laughs> so the princess switch could run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put it on the on the uh, I'll put it on the Netflix uh, mm. Netflix queue. Yeah, is uh, is there anything you're watching right now? Do you have any recommendations? Yeah. Oh man! Well, of course, everyone's seen the the Queen's Gambit. I loved mm. on Netflix. Have you have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard amazing things. Yeah, I've seen a couple episodes, and it's like I'm really into it. But then I'm like, oh my god, this girl has a drug problem. This can't go well. Yeah, yeah it's 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 it it has some dark some dark stuff but it it stick with it because it's actually she's so good i think i love her did you see her did you see her in emma no um, no but i saw her in the witch oh yeah well i think you i think you both would like emma i mean if you like her she's she's in the new that new emma that came out i think two years mm. ago okay directed by a woman first time feature director by the mm. way and she did this beautiful version of emma that's really charming and very modern mm-hmm. in mm. its tone but not but it's a period piece um mm-hmm. starring this i'm forgetting her name but the same woman who's in the queen's gambit oh what else i just we just watched the undoing with uh oh my gosh oh, yeah. everyone's talking about it it's good it's 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 you know it's worth watching it's <laughs> it's not all that it's just a murder mystery thing it's, it's all mm-hmm. right is it like fake little lies yeah but yeah but less than that Okay. Okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, yeah. it's beautifully shot. I I mean, uh, again, I'm names are names are terrible. Who's who's in it? The woman, Nicole Um, Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. I think she looks amazing in it. She's like 52. That's insane to me. She looks gorgeous. She looks amazing. Her skin is like flawlessly ivory. Mm. Maybe a little, you know, Botoxy, but I don't know. I think she looks great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do I know? Yeah, I feel like I've been watching so much. I've been watching a lot of old movies, and it's like binging so much that it's just going in my brain and going out. So mm-hmm. I, oh, I am. What are you guys watching? What other than a princess? Oh, Switch? I've been watching the flight attendant. Oh, that, that. is really yeah. good. Yeah, it's on HBO. It's um, it's also kind of like a murder mystery, um, but it's it's really good. I like that a lot. Um, I've been watching this. Be- 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> you can, you can, you can reply, and I'll, I'll go after. No, 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 I was gonna say something dumb. I, so, I, since we got this, we just got this big 4K TV because we're oh stuck God. at home. It's like we're gonna. We're going to watch a 4K TV. Yeah. So we got a 75-inch TV that's on the wall. Wow. And oh so I've been just watching anything that's in 4K. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so The Crown, we watched the whole, the whole last season of The Crown, which mm-hmm. I loved. And I i didn't love it at, initially, but it's its really good. And it looks really good on a big TV. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, I've been going down a rabbit hole with... Do you ever see those Urban Explorer videos on YouTube? There are these two guys called the proper mm-hmm. people, which is a weird name. These two dudes just like go into abandoned buildings oh. and 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 video. And I find it fascinating. I don't wow. know why, but they do a really good job. So if you want if you like Very that cool. kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. Very um, cool. I was just gonna say that I've been watching the Sopranos and um, <laughs> pretty happy. <laughs> but um I've also watched well, I mean, I like films, but my boyfriend is really into like films and um, he has like a Criterion subscription. So we watched like oh, yeah. Sex Lies videotapes. I watched Climax on Netflix the other day. We watched some Cronenberg yeah. movies, Videodrome. Yeah, the Criterion channel is great. I'm like, I've been, we're just about to click like, nah, I don't need to spend any more money. Don't spend any more money. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I, I actually I didn't do that, so I went to Prime because I have you know Amazon Prime, and there's mm-hmm. so many things on Prime that I should see free first before yeah. I start spending money on a yet another subscription. But um, yeah. Criterion is a worthy worthy one. I just watched this Joan Crawford this Joan Crawford movie called Rain from oh. 1932. Oh, wow. where she plays a prostitute who gets stuck on this island. And this preacher tries to convert her to Christianity. It's really intense. I mean, she is like a prostitute. And this is like, oh my god, you know, right before yeah. the um, uh, movies, um, you know, before they really cracked down on uh, subject matter. But she's mm. so beautiful in this movie. You realize wow. why she was a star. Yeah. Yeah. Segwaying seamlessly into <laughs> the next question. Um, we're just curious as like alumni, and I'm sure it was different when you went to NYU, but kind of just want to know where, where you hung out, you know, what you did in your free time, stuff like that. I, I think I don't know if I remembered you guys were both from NYU. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we both went. Yeah. Study at Tisch. Me too. Tisch undergrad. I, you know, I went back before you guys were born. I went summer of 82. I moved to New mm-hmm. York City. Mm-hmm. And, uh. I lived in the dorm was Judson Hall was a dorm. Judson. Oh my god, that is crazy. I know, right? What street? It was right on Washington Square yeah. South. Yeah, and like uh, yeah. Thompson. Judson. Yeah. It's got that steeple. That yeah, like Judson tall... Judson oh, Church. Like... Judson. Oh my god. Because <laughs> you know, there's the library. There's a library. Then you go east. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I guess it's Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I used to live on Bleecker and Thompson. So I'm having a yeah. mental breakdown. Yeah. Your Judson Church, like where all of the like iconic postmodern dance was going on. Yeah, I guess I don't know what's in there now, but it was just a <laughs> it was a dorm when I was there, and uh, I had my own room. It was great. I don't know how I lucked into that. First, I was in Reuben Hall on mm-hmm. on Fifth Avenue and Tenth, yeah. and then transferred to Judson. Okay. Um, and then you know, I, I we subletted a, a couple of friends, and I subletted a, an apartment in the East Village you know, between years and then went mm-hmm. back into the dorms. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't got New York in 82. You know, I got there. Studio 54 was still open. That's how yeah. old I am. <laughs> there, that's and, like a prime time. <laughs> I know. I got there right as the city was really shifting. And, you know, it was, mm, yeah. that was the summer that, you know, everyone found out about AIDS and mm -hmm. everything shifted. But I, yeah. I got there just in time, A, to get the information and to be safe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank God I'm still still here and healthy and avoided yeah. that. And, you know, millions of other people didn't. Mm. But uh, I feel lucky that I got to sort of see the 70s, like New York, it was 82, but, you know, that was only a few years yeah. after the 70s. So things like Studio 54 were still open. So I, I got to, like, see them right before they all closed, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. East, I lived in East Village. I lived I lived on East 10th Street between 1st and 2nd. Mm. Um, it was a different different city then. Mm, but, yeah. Are you guys both in New York now? I'm not anymore. I'm in Toronto now, but Mo still is. Yeah. Where are you? Where do you live? Well, I live in Crown Heights. I... I'm working at home right now, but I used to work in a restaurant um, that was on 4th and 10th. And now I work at an office that's right off of Union Square. Oh, cool. Yeah. I miss New York, but I miss, you know, I miss my New York. It's not the same. Yeah. You know, we all have our New York. When we move to New York, of that's course. your New York, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I've been out here in L.A. for 20 years. Yeah. How do you like L.A. now? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean, I was in New York for 17 years, 18 years, and then... Moved out here in 2000 after I made Trick. Mm -hmm. And I love, I mean, I love L.A. I love Hollywood. I, I feel like I had, you know, 18 years of New York City and that was, that was great. I don't, you know, I didn't hate it. I just wanted to move to Hollywood, you know, and yeah. mm -hmm. um, I love it out here. I love the desert. I love L.A. L.A. is close to so many things. You can two hours to Palm Springs, four hours to Vegas. You know, there's, there's the beaches and the mountains and there's snow and there's sun. So I don't mm -hmm. know. I, I just love the... Uh, the weather, it's a cliche, but it's lovely. It's yeah. great out here. Fresh fruit. You know, fresh fruit. That's exactly true. You know, <laughs> yeah. when I first came out here, I remember going into a supermarket and the produce department was as big as a D'Agostino's. It was like, it was, wow. it was as Gosh. big as a whole supermarket in New York City. It was like, oh my God. The luxury, so the opulence. Fresh fruit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so delightful to get to talk to you. Yeah. Well, my we pleasure. Feel... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go. I This keeps happening. It's so hard with the video <laughs> shot. No, I know. It's a, there's a delay. <clears throat> no, I was saying it's my pleasure. And I, I get my question, too, is like, why? And maybe you already answered this, but why do you think the Lizzie McGuire movie is sort of having it a moment right now? I mean, maybe I'm delusional, but if, I feel like, is it all, is it because you're all coming of age and... I don't know. I I guess like how I feel about it, and I guess part of the reason why we started this podcast was this era of nostalgia that I feel has been mm -hmm. like, you know, building in a lot of, you know, millennial and also, I don't know, the generation after millennial. Um, Gen Z. Yeah, Gen Z. There's like this longing mm -hmm. for 90s and uh, 2000s. And I think that just this movie in general and probably the reason why we do these like nostalgic movies is because they make you feel genuine. Whereas I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of stuff that comes out in pop culture now feels like such a performance. I feel like they're always like acting to me. Um, whereas the stuff I used to watch, even if it was corny, it's like one of our favorite acting teachers, Terry Knickerbocker, he always said, mm -hmm. um, it isn't... <laughs> No, you got to say it because I'm going to screw it up. I got you. It's not corny <laughs> if it's heartfelt. Yes. 
Or it's not cliche if it's heartfelt. It's not cliche if it's heartfelt. Yeah, I think that everyone is like grabbing for in like as everything is so uncertain right now. It's like everyone's just grabbing for simpler times. Like when's the last time you felt kind of like safe and happy? And for a lot of people that was childhood or like these movies specifically in childhood. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, because I think there's always that 20 year cycle like you're Mm. you your generation is coming of age and you're reminiscing about basically 20 years ago mm. when I was your age, you know, 20 years ago, I'm I'm younger than I'm thinking back when I was younger, but in the high school, like movies like Greece were big because mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. 19, 1980 and they were reminiscing about 20 years ago, which yeah. was yeah. the fifties, 58. Mm-hmm. So it's always that, like that cycle. So now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm realizing, Oh my God, I can't believe Lizzie McGuire movie is what? 17 years old now. That's insane. Um, yeah. That's crazy to me. And I think like with Lizzie in particular, like, the beautiful thing about like the show and the movie is like you get to grow up with her mm-hmm. and I think that's why like the series would have been so great if it were like able to happen in like oh, the yeah. way that Hillary and like the creators kind of wanted it to where it's like adult Lizzie yeah. because like we really like everything that we were going through at the time like Lizzie was going through as well or like a little bit yeah. she was a little bit older than us but it was like nice to see somebody else like kind of going through what you're going through and I feel like in this time it's just like nice to go back to that. Well, that's great. That's nice to hear. Yeah, we we are so glad that you made this movie because it is very near and dear to our hearts. Well, I was so glad to stumble on your podcast because, you know, like I've said, maybe in some other interviews, it it was kind of um, not lonely, but you make a movie for a younger audience and you don't really get feedback from them because they're, you don't know, you know, but now, you know, 17 (laughs) years later, it's like, oh, they did like it. Yes. (laughs) That's that nice. reminds me of like me um, parents like raising the kid and the kid is just like such a little brat. And then when they're out of the house, you're like, oh, can't believe all you did for me, mom and dad. Thanks so much. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I was happy to do this. Thank you so thank much. You. Um, would you like to tell our lovely listeners where they can follow you? Sure. You can find me, you know, this sounds very old, old uh, fashioned, but I am on the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, just look me up, Jim Fall. You can follow me. It's a public, I have public posts. Uh, okay. I'm on Insta. I think it's Jim Fall Films. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I have a website, jimfallfilms.com. Yes. I don't do the Twitter. It just overwhelms me. <sighs> me too. It's hard. <laughs> We have a Twitter for this podcast, but we just like retweet other stuff. It's like. I know. I can't. I try every so often. I'm like, Jim, just go on and do something. And then it's like, ugh, I can't do this. Back to Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. This was fun. Whoa. Was that not the best interview you've ever heard? That was the best interview that I've ever heard. So yeah, I don't know if you guys uh, caught that in the beginning, but he said we watched the movie right. So I'm taking that it's, as a yeah. big W. We understand the yeah, integrity we, of the film. We get film. it. We're kind of we like into we, we go to a film party <laughs> like with a bunch of art people, and we're like, "Well, I watch films. Like I get films." Yeah, the Lizzie McGuire film. Um, my personal favorite. No, it was it was so much fun to talk to him. He's such a fun guy and gave us so much insight into the movie, which was delightful. Yeah. And just getting behind the mind of the genius who created it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I really resonated with me what, you know, Jim was talking about, 
about just making art that was genuine and being mm-hmm. drawn to making people experience the range of emotions in the content that he's yeah. making. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest reasons why we're all gravitating towards these movies is to give us some joy, give us some heartache and, mm-hmm. you know, have a good time. Yeah. It makes me very excited for the year ahead. We have some really fun stuff planned. Guys, we have some really great stuff. (laughs) We actually planned a lot of stuff, and um, Mm -hmm. we hope you're ready for it. Because we are popping off this year. We're popping off. Yeah. Gabagool. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of Sopranos. I like how we've made multiple Sopranos references. I know, it's throughout not in place. <laughs> I'm out of line. If you watch The Sopranos and you also listen to this podcast, please DM us. Yeah, Because we just want to know what that intersection looks like. Yes. But yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We had so much fun recording. And we will see you next week for our first movie of the year. Yay! We hope you have a great 2020, guys. Start it off. Yes. Start off good. Hell yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. It's movies that raised us. Follow us on Twitter. It's MTRU underscore pod. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Yes, please. Thank you so much for listening to Movies That Raised Us. We are Mo and Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.